Hello and welcome back to the Football in Question podcast. I am back hosting this week with Ashley and Jordan, as always. But to get us started this week, I'm going to ask you a question. What, in your opinion, is the hardest position in football? I think th- there's two obvious answers for me. Centre mid and full back. Now, full back gets overlooked a lot because in Sunday League, if you're rubbish, yeah, they just slap you in left back or right back, OK? That's just how it works. But left back at a high level or right back at a high level takes a lot of stamina, a lot of speed. Like, and, and it's just the, the, uh, the, the constantness of you know, having to defend and having to attack. I know every, nearly every player has to do that, but just bombing up and down that wing is just almost impossible. And on top of that, the centre mid not only has to be there for his fullback, but he has to just contribute to the whole game constantly, non-stop. So it's got to be them. I just think it's harder if you have to do more running. Fair enough. Um, I've not gone for either of those. I've actually gone for goalkeeper. So Mm. I think goalkeeper is difficult, not only um, from an on-the-pitch standpoint, but off-the-pitch standpoint as well, because you are to blame for a lot. Yes. You don't go... It's not very often you go, are the full-backs to to blame or the centre-mids to blame. You're You're more inclined to go, what's the goalkeeper doing there, than you are anything else most of the time. I think the amount... From a mental standpoint, being a goalkeeper is definitely the hardest position to be on the pitch. I mean, you look at like Carrius. Um, yeah. I, I think Carrius um, that season was he was all right. He was I think. a good keeper. But yeah. then he had one game and then he had one and it's destroyed his career. Exactly. I think I think goalkeeper has to be the hardest position. You, you uh, say that. Sorry, can I just try? Yeah, and, yeah. I know it's not a debate, but can I argue that just a minute? Because you said that, you know, goalkeepers make one mistake and then all the blame's on them, the game's over, right? Yeah. yeah. I think that is just the nature of the game because yeah, that... I mean, that yeah. but well, that, no, but like, the thing no, is, if that, you make a mistake in midfield, it's not always going to lead into a goal. You can lose the ball and it not be brought up ever again. But that rule But if a goalkeeper goal. makes one mistake, nine times out of ten, it's in the back of their net. Exactly. That applies for, to a defender as well. Like n- not nearly, all nearly all not time. as much. When you're standing one foot off your goal line, yeah. that mistake is going to go that way. There's, there, uh, there's one position I hope you don't take. A goalkeeper, a goalkeeper can get a mistake and make a mistake. And guess what? There's someone still who can get them out of jail. The goalkeeper. The goalkeeper has no one I get that, I get to that. get them out of jail. Yeah. Who are you going with? I was going to go goalkeeper. <laughs> uh, it's the debate, so we can kind of say the same things, but like the same kind of reasons. I think. As a whole, you grow up and you want to be, you don't want to be a goalkeeper. Everyone kind of disrespects the position. And now you see more goalkeepers coming forward in the media. And you can kind of see, like, it's a big, it's a mentally straining position to play in. You're alone, kind of. You know, you're part of the team, but you're, you're limited to your box. And, you know, you know, right, if I cock up this week, you know, we're going to lose. You've got to be on your A game week in, week out. Yeah. And people always say the start of, you know, a big side is getting your goalkeeper right. And, you know, that shows how crucial a position it is and how difficult a position it is to play in. Um, you know, we talk about like Nick Pope being the best goalkeeper this season in the Premier League, or maybe one of, and he's still not got, like, a complete game, you know, <coughs> yeah. because, you know, he's not great at distribution. And with the distribution in the way modern football's going, it's becoming an even harder position. Because not only have you got to be making save after save and, you know, commanding your back four, but also you've got to be contributing to the attack now which makes it, you know, even more important a position. So I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you, John. I think it's the hardest position. We can now move on and we're going to go into the results on the weekend. We're going to quickly discuss some and then maybe lean in heavier on probably what happened on Sunday. 
Now, let's start off. There was obviously a couple games called off for the Carabao Cup final, which we will get into. I bet Jordan's itching to get into that. But first of all, we're going to discuss the games which are crucial for the title race and the relegation battle. Both uh, top two won on the weekend. City had Bournemouth away, expected to win it. I'm not going to go into too much. City scored four. I don't think anyone was expecting anything other than that. I was hoping for something similar to Forest, but they weren't going to do the same thing twice. They won comfortably, four goals. City are back, pretty much. They want to they try and get a run. And it's yet to be seen whether they'll do that, but that's it. Arsenal winning 1-0 away at Leicester. They got a goal chalked off. And, yeah, it was a good win, a dominant win. As usual, plenty of controversial this, decisions. And what was nice about that game is was I think Martinelli really took charge of his role as well. I think he's sometimes he looks a little bit, I don't know, a little bit just like on his own maybe, maybe a little bit like... I know he's not too. Com we're not too confident in him. Maybe sometimes because he is young, and, and you think maybe he's not not going to carry us forward. But he did well today to, to get that goal. I, I really enjoyed seeing Trossard up front. Yeah. Actually, um, I really liked that. Mikarte isn't just set on playing Eddie Nketiah up front mm. because he has been struggling certain weeks. And you know, a manager that's going to win the Premier League mm. knows how to notice these kind of things and, and how to change that. But what well, I mean, what did you think of the game? I thought you know. We probably should have maybe gone for a bit more. It wasn't a great attacking display, but defensively it was superb. We were strict. Well, yeah, we restricted it. Leicester to one shot. Maybe that's part of their fault. You know, yeah. it shows they can't really function without Madison, and we took advantage of it. I'd wish we could have scored more. Obviously, we did technically score two, but one was disallowed. And my opinion on the goal is, I understand why it's been disallowed, but if you're disallowing something for a soft foul like that, you should be giving us a penalty two minutes later for Saka's foul in the box which wasn't given, we should have had a penalty, we weren't. You can't, both decisions can't exist in the same match. Either neither are foul or both are, that, that's my opinion on that. Um, but Arsenal still got the win, so I won't moan about it too much. But, you know, as I said, I, you know, referees make mistakes week in, week out. And it's not just, I don't say this is an Arsenal problem. This is a, this is a refereeing problem. You know, I don't want it to, cut, you know, if it costs another team, you know, that's what's going to happen. But <coughs> Arsenal still got the win. Martinelli with a goal, a good goal, uh, you know, he struggled in the first half, but still Arsenal keep that two-point lead and now have a, have a chance on Wednesday to make it a five-point lead with their game in hand against Everton. Mm. That's the title race summed up for this weekend, but it was a big weekend at the bottom of the table because a lot of them were playing each other. You've got Leeds playing Southampton with their new manager, Javi Grazia, and then you've got West Ham playing Forest. And Everton playing Villa. Villa aren't exactly down there, but you know, uh, you know, a bad result or two, they could fall into it. And Everton unfortunately got their first home loss under Dyche, losing two 0 with two um, second half goals, losing two 0 at home to Villa. That's not a great result for them. They were just starting to pick up form, and it's a bad loss. But hopefully, you know, still they need to pick up results. But they're still not out of the bottom three yet. You know what's really Dyche. exciting about this season, and maybe it's a little bit cruel from me, but like. One big team is going to go down, or maybe two big teams. Mm -hmm. and we haven't really seen that in a while. It's no. always been the promoted teams. Apart from that, that season where Brighton and Wolves and I think it was Huddersfield came up as well. No, Brighton, Newcastle and Huddersfield came up like, and, and they all stayed up. Mm. Apart from that season, I don't think we've really seen that in a while. No. It's, it's quite exciting because as much as Everton are a big club and you want them to be, you know, like, be successful, I kind of just don't because they annoyed me earlier on this season. So... If they get relegated, I will be happy. Um, and it would just be quite nice to see, I don't know, like a Leeds or West Ham go down again or something like that and just yeah. I mean, see, see that revolution. I mean, you mentioned Leeds, but they've got their new manager and he got them a good result, winning at home to Southampton, something which Chelsea couldn't do last week. You know, you just thought Southampton maybe getting that big result would push on. 
The answer is no. Couldn't win at Ellen Road. Right. And Leeds getting a bit of distance from the bottom three and Southampton are just sinking further and further. And for me, looking at Southampton, I just don't see a way out of it for them. I think they are just down and out for yeah. me. Southampton, and, are, Southampton are screwed. Yeah. It's safe to say someone is signing James Ward-Prowse for about 10 million in the summer. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, I said, I said this to, to our housemate, right? I think you two should both be praying that West Ham go down. Praying. You know what? Do you know what the biggest transfer from Championship to Premier League after a team gets relegated is? What? Forty million. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. If West Ham went down, the discount on Declan Rice is the obvious player we're talking about. The discount on Declan Rice would be decent because they need imminent money. They can't be haggling. You know, they've got to just take the best offer they can get. And considering Arsenal are the best suits at the moment, you know, considering they've asked for around eighty to a hundred. 70 if they it's, went down it's, it's, would, would give it but it's going I, right down however doesn't know they might go down because they actually got a very good result on the weekend yeah. four second half goals four nil win against forest came at the right time if they lost it i think Moyes would have been gone yeah so I you know agree. he's you know <laughs> cashed in a four nil win at the right time because four goals fans bouncing it's exactly what you need to get them back on side and danny ying's also scoring his first goal to west ham as well the man we mentioned earlier Declan rice getting on the score sheet it is kind of perfect for West Ham because it kind of quiets them up a little bit and gives Moyes something to build on. And, you know, it's a big weekend, like I said, at the bottom three because now Forest, with that loss, we thought they were out of it. But, you know, it, there's so many points uh, available and there's not that much that separates the bottom, like, eight. So well, it, I mean, yeah, and it's weird to even think about this, but Crystal Palace, you know, they are actually in with a shout of getting relegated. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to see because 27 points at this point of the season, you will probably be OK by the end of it, but mm. you know it's uh, it's the bottom eight <coughs> at the moment, yeah, and well, but yeah, no, bottom bottom nine at the moment that are uh, sorry, maths well, y- you said about um, Aston Villa, mm. if they don't get a, get a few, if they drop a few points, they could be in it. Chelsea on the same amount of points, yeah. and we'll get on to Chelsea mental. in a bit. But we will get on to Chelsea. Absolutely mental. I mean, yeah, I mean between the bottom nine, there's thirteen points. Like it is very tight, and, and things could just flip. Just like that. I just hope we, we get to see a little bit of a stir up, as I said before, Yeah. to be honest. I think that's all on Saturday's games, but let's talk about Sunday. First of all, uh, I need to talk about uh, the elephant in the room. Jordan, you've got the room. Man United have won their first trophy since 2017. How does it feel? It was great. It was so good. Um, Going into it, you know, I, I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot of talk here, especially from one person specifically, like sitting over there, about how Loris Carius was coming in, and you know, he would. He, it's it's in the script. It's you know, in the script you understand so why I think that? Because it's like it's like the perfect chance for him to prove himself. Did you see him in the warm up? No. Oh no, it I saw that video. Dreadful. Yeah, it was. Awful. Um, it was absolutely dreadful. But you know what? Fair play to him. He put on a fairly okay performance. He played the match. Yeah, he, he played the match and he, made, he did make some good saves, to be fair. Vegos had, Vegos had a shot um, mm. from outside the box and he pulled off a wonderful save. Um, so there's that. But, you know, going into the, into the game itself, I thought we were going to win. I, I genuinely believe that. And, you know, I, I did, believe it or not, I did predict 2-0 before the game, believe it or not. Um, I think our play going forward is just it's so unbelievable what's changed in in what seems like quite a short space of time um we like we look a completely different side to last season um 
you know, the, the players that we have, you know, there was Casemiro scored um, and just the passion from him and all the other players, like, it, and not just the passion from scoring goals, it's the passion when um, Martinez and Varane are throwing themselves to block shots and blocking the shots and then the whole team celebrates together. Just, there is a different mentality at Manchester United now than ever before. Um, Newcastle will obviously be disappointed, but you know, at the end of the day, if you don't score goals, you don't win games, um, and that's how it is. I think Man United deserve to win uh, in the grand scheme of things, and you know, things are only looking up from here. You know, I, I, I genuinely can see us potentially winning another trophy this season, if not really pushing on next season, and if we're not in the title race this season, which I don't think we are. I think we can almost guarantee we will be next season uh, with some some great signings, which I'm expecting, to be honest. We do um, need to watch out for Manchester United. Yeah, they, they uh, are starting to build. I'll, I'll admit, from, from from our perspective, I am worried about Man United. You know, I remember going going into our game in January. Genuinely, if you beat us on that game, it would have put a massive dent in our title charge, and you would have definitely have been in the conversation after just beating City. And I think you're so close now that, you know, with reinforcements in the summer, with this little boost of confidence with the League Cup, you can push on. And, you know, it's ended the whole five, six years without a trophy now. Mm. That now you can, that's kind of out of your heads. One thing you need to be careful of, though, and it's, it is that thing, I, I feel like I talk about it every week, maybe just to wind you up sometimes, but it's like, you know, you get top four, you win a trophy and everything's happy, and then yeah. you fall back and you're seventh, and then you rebuild and you're in fourth, and the circle repeats itself. But I, this is the most promising that I've seen that you will break that curse mm -hmm. at the moment. Like, the, the other thing that I think is so promising about your team now is that you've got personalities in there, like Martinez, yeah. like Casemiro, and like Fernandez is just like, he's a quality player, really. He, he? he is, he's and, world and to, class. To guide, he is the perfect man to guide that team because he just knows what he's doing. He never looks unconfident. He always just looks like he knows how to create an attack. He's a, he's mm -hmm. a quality player. Yeah. But I think, so, there's no, I think genuinely, I think Bruno Fernandes is one of the most underrated players in the league right now. Yeah. I, th I think the issue is that he's a very Man United player, and I don't want to swear on this, but... Can I? He's just a big. He's just a bit of a shit house, if we're being honest. Yeah, but in I, his personality, but he does mm. drag Man United through the mud at times. Like he, he's honestly so so good. You, you just look at some of the passes that he's putting through, and you think, how on earth has that managed to get through? Um, it's just he's he is absolutely brilliant, and he he really is a he's a true true leader. And you know what? I I was actually quite happy to see that. Um, when they actually did the trophy lift, it was Maguire and Fernandez together. Mm. Um, Fernandez apparently they had agreed on it like before the game if they were to win, that's what they would do, because obviously Fernandez has captained us most of this season, and obviously Harry Maguire technically is still the club captain, and he has played in some of the games, so I was I was happy to see that. And you know I think the one thing that's really telling is. You know, we, we lifted the trophy, there was obviously celebrations, but the roar when Eric Ten Hag got given the trophy was just, it was, there was different levels to it, you know. In his press conference afterwards as well, I don't know if you've seen it, he actually almost forgot to take the trophy back um, into the dressing room and went, oh, to be honest, I don't really need that one, we'll get another one soon. And, you know, like, he's That's, just, there's something about him. He like, knows what to say. Like. There was a video as well of him, Martinez and Anthony just dancing on the side of the pitch. It was just, he, 
Did you see Roy Keane's reaction to that as well? They're the, they, so they were pitch like doing their, you know, their usual, mm. their usual presenting and stuff, and they got Ten Hag to come over, and they like everyone looked, at, they got everyone to look at the dancing video, and Roy Keane just goes, "You should resign right now." <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, su it's such a good video. Obviously, he was joking, but like he, you can tell that Man United are somewhat back, and there's some kind of well, a job. There's a good for the first time in a while, I feel there is just a good feeling around Man United. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. really cloudy in the background. And I also, think just j just quickly, every time I go on Twitter and Man United are playing, I don't know if you've seen this account, but and I think he does it to wind people up. But every single time he tweets out, "Yep, nothing, Man United won again," and not a single peep from the Glazer out today. <laughs> they don't care. They only see yeah. it when they're losing. Literally, Sky Sports. Yeah, 18th minute, Manchester United fans burst out into Glazer's out chances. Yeah. Then you go like, one the lot. You still <laughs> want them out, and which is something that I think we've kind of forgotten. Well, no, the to be fair, success. to be fair, I think. They are getting them out. I think that's probably Maybe. an inspection for why the chance are stopping. No, no, they're not stopping. Like that, <laughs> genuinely. No, they're, they're not stopping. That's what I'm trying to say. Like it was hilarious because Avram Glazer was there. Yeah. He was in the stands during the game, and you, he has to sit there and listen to our fans chanting "Glazers out," have banners "Glazers out," "Glazers out." 88th minute, we were chanting "Glazers out." You know, we we to to say that it stops is is ridiculous because it doesn't. Mm. It really, really doesn't. I mean, we just need to wait and see what happens with the takeovers because we talked about it last week. Yeah. It's going to take a couple of weeks there's until we see. There's a there's it, a rumour going around now that the Glazers want to stay. That they, yeah. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Well, I mean, we saw what happened with Liverpool. They put their club up for sale. Then Liverpool got a win against Newcastle. They went, oh, we might be back. We're not going to sell you anymore. So but, now you've got a trophy under the Glazers. They're going to go, well, we've won you a trophy. Yeah, but <laughs> we, we had plenty of trophies under the Glazers anyway. Yeah, I know. So, so yeah. But oh, that, I think we can stop talking about the League Cup final. And finally, this is going to lead into our discussion. We need to talk about what happened uh, when Chelsea took on Tottenham. A 2-0 loss. Uh, you know, they seem to beat Tottenham every year. I saw this, like, previews from Tottenham and Chelsea fans. And Tottenham fans were saying how they lose every year to Chelsea. It's a guaranteed loss. And, well, for the first season in a while, Chelsea have not beaten Tottenham in any competition, you know, four points from a possible six, a tune loss away from home, and to put the icing on the cake, they've conceded to Oliver Skip, you know. Oliver you, Skip, first ever goal for Spurs. First goal for Spurs. And what a goal it was. I mean, if you're going to score your first goal, scoring it at home in a London derby <laughs> in that style is kind of how you'd want it to go. Exactly. And, I mean, from the Tom's perspective, it's a great win. They're, you know, taking advantage of Newcastle not playing, and I'm not going to lie, I do look at Newcastle right now and I do think their top four hopes are really slipping away because they, they've drawn so many games in the space of like a month. It just felt like they were drawing nil-nil every week. And yeah, I, I also I think they've scored some of the, like, since November, they're in, there's these stats and Newcastle have scored some of the, like, the least amount of goals as well. So it's getting a little bit troubling for them. But, you know, back, back to Tottenham, like it just, it, it's weird that, as you said, Chelsea have gone away to Tottenham and Tottenham have actually looked convincing for mm. once, you know. I mean, fair play to them. I want them to lose every weekend, but, you know, they had a decent win and it, it comes very, very, like, in, intrinsically to, to Chelsea's downfall at the moment as mm. well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, if you mention, like, what's happening at Chelsea, like, a 2 loss at Spurs is just damning because that's the one time their fans, like, this was the perfect chance for Potter you know, if he wins on the weekend against Spurs, it's a big win against a big rival that will really give boost the fans. And again, it's just not happening for them. And you just got to look at 
what's happening at that club and nothing seems right. There's no positive overall feel anywhere. Like none of the, I mean, I've seen Chelsea fans complain about videos of the players walking out at Stamford Bridge because none of them look that excited. None of them look like they care. And it does just feel like no, there's no, no one knows what's actually happening there. It's horrific for Chelsea at the moment. I mean, 10th in the Premier League, two wins in their last 15 games. They've only scored eight goals. No team in the Premier League has scored fewer goals than them since November. Leeds, in that time, have scored more than double the amount of goals that they have scored. I mean, I'm going to ask you now, lads, right? Just a quick answer. Do you think Graham Potter should be sacked? Yes. <sighs> take, take your agenda for Graham Potter away from this, because I yeah. think we've all got one. We all quite like him. Here's the thing. Who, who do they get in? I don't think that's, that's part of the question. No. I think, I, I, well, I think that's the, I, I would never it? sack a manager if you don't have one coming in. I don't, I don't know about that. Because I, no, I disagree as well. If it's going wrong... I should, mean, should Man, it's like saying, should Man United have so sacked Oli? They didn't have Ralph Rangnick lined up straight away. Yeah. Um, like, I, I, look, if they sacked him tomorrow or today, I would un completely understand the reasoning behind it. But the thing is, I just feel like the problems are way above Potter. Yeah, obviously. Because they've, they've, they, it's a massive but change over at the club, and I don't think they really know what's happening. I mean, I don't understand how you can spend 300 million on a manager and then a month later sack them, because it just shows this project. They, they, they're trying to do what Arsenal are doing, and they are not the right club to try it. They're not a patient club. They're a naturally impatient club. And they are. That, I mean, since they, you know, they had all their riches in the early 2000s, sacking managers is their only solution to a bad run of games. That's all they've ever done. And, you know, it kind of does make sense for Chelsea to sack their managers. You know, Gus Hiddink won the FA Cup after replacing Scolari in 2009. Mm. Roberto Di Matteo won the Champions League and FA Cup after they sacked Andre Villas-Boas. And just recently, you know, Thomas Tuchel won the Champions League after Frank Lampard got sacked. So maybe if there was someone lined up, this could be the perfect time for the, you know, for Ted Bowley to, you know, completely revamp his Chelsea, his start at Chelsea, and, and get some some wins on the board, and maybe even win a trophy or two. But for me, right now, if it's any other manager, you sack Graham Potter. But yeah. as you said, they just want they want to have that thing of sticking by their manager. They want to have that Arteta effect, and they want to just kind of not rush into things and, and maybe create a new kind of legacy at Chelsea. But I don't think it's the way to go forward if you are just going to buy this new superstar player every five minutes. Maybe yeah. when things are going wrong, you've got to sack a manager every five minutes as well. Well, you guys, neither of you have said Graham Potter, should he get sacked? No, yes, I think he should be. If you're a Chelsea fan right now, you just... It's think, if, this, if this was Arsenal, would you want, want him to be sacked? I still don't know, because I look and I don't think he's the problem. I think yeah. he's the figurehead of a bigger problem behind Chelsea. I think Todd Bowley but is massively mismanaging the club. It's the first time he's been involved in football and I think he's finding out that you can't just splash the cash at a problem and it's given them a bigger problem now where they've got a massive squad with tons of players, tons of them haven't played in the Premier League and that is creating an even bigger issue because now you're forcing players into the team like, and it's just, it's a disaster and then you've got Aubameyang and for the first time ever Aubameyang's not being played, it's, got, it's not his fault, like he's done nothing wrong and I almost feel sorry for him because what happened at Arsenal happened but you know here He's just being disregarded and he is genuinely the only out-and-out out number nine out of that club and they can't score a goal. And, and, he's, he, and, and he's there's been, definitely more out-and-out out number nines than Aubameyang is in his career. Yeah. I mean, he played on the left for most of his games. I know, so. but still, he's getting subbed on at 2-0 yeah. and you see his face, he's gutted. And it's just a bit like... <sighs> I, just, I just can't understand I think the only thing that changes things is that it is Graham Potter. 
if you are a Chelsea fan and you're looking and you didn't know anything about Graham Potter before he came to Chelsea, bizarrely yeah. you didn't know anything, you'd say, yeah, he needs to be sacked. However, all us three, it's worth pointing out, we all go to the University of Brighton. Therefore, we kind of followed Brighton quite heavily yeah. last season and yeah. we really respected <laughs> Graham Potter mm. towards the end of his Brighton career. And we all wanted him to be the next England manager. We wanted him to replace Southgate. I think that was quite unanimous yeah. amongst us three. And what he's done with Ulster Sands and how he's come through. He was at Swansea before Brighton, wasn't he? And then mm. he is a top quality manager and he knows how to... He does know, I feel like he does know what he's doing. And it is really impressive what he's done. But I think... The difference maker at the moment is that he's dealing with something that he hasn't dealt with before. I know throughout his career the clubs have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, but this is on another scale and you've got these superstars to manage and you've got all these new players coming in. It's, 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 it's tricky for him. I've, I've said this before though. I, I just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it is just because it's Chelsea, but I, Graham Potter, I, I don't think he has, has sort of that sort of big team management in him. Just because he hasn't done it before? Not not just because he hasn't done it before. I just I can't. But that is a factor in that. But I, mean, I, I just I look at Chelsea now. I just like maybe he could, maybe he could. But I I just don't I don't really I don't really know. He's not installing much confidence at the moment. Is no. He? However, I, I just like him, and I'm gonna say yes, he should be sacked. But I hope he doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Well, mate, I think I think Chelsea will sack him. I wouldn't personally, but. If they do sack him, one thing I think it does say is I think it says that the person in charge of transfers isn't the manager and it is probably Todd Bowley. And I think that in itself would answer a billion, would, make, would show that the problem is even bigger because you, I think that's a massive un, 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 misunderstanding of how to manage a football club. You can't go in and spend 200, 300 million in one window and expect all your problems to go away because all it's done is given them even more. I mean, also, they got rid of Jorginho and, you know, you can't... That, that, during the window, all I heard from Chelsea fans is there's a problem with their midfield. They sign a midfielder and they sell one. OK, you've still got a problem. You've still got, you know, in the summer, Kante's ageing, he's had a massive injury problem. Same with Kovacic. And, you know, it's just they've got too many players now. They've got... Genuinely, they've got too many players. And the thing is, they spent that much in, the, in January and still... They don't, aren't playing an out-and-out number nine up front. They've signed a young guy in Fafana. You know, if they knew they weren't going to play at Bamiyang, why didn't they sign you know, maybe some, someone more you know, to that liking? It's funny because they've brought in Felix, who would actually give a Bamiyang the service he's needed all season, mm. and they're not really getting minutes together. Havertz, I'm sorry, but I have never rated Havertz for one minute. No, I've rated Havertz. And he Havertz. starts week no. in, week out. I think he's awful. Havertz is a quality player in the Bundesliga, and I know the Premier League is a, little, a different kettle of fish, but... No, Havertz is a, is a decent player. I don't, I, I don't think he's awful. I still I like. I look at him right now, and I just think he's he's not doing what's required of him. And I'd it, still back Mudrick to win the Ballon d'Or, though. <laughs> still, Mudrick's looked awful. Mudrick's looked not really managed to do anything of note as 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 far with Chelsea. And I just look at them, and it's just a mess. I don't see a plan. I don't see an end goal. I don't know why they're going, what they're doing, what style of football. How? What is Chelsea's style of play? Can you want, do you, what's their identity? Because if you can't answer that, then that's, then you know there's nothing going right at that club. The first thing to do is be, what are we? What are we? And they don't know that. And I think that's a massive problem. That's why they're not scoring goals. That's why they're conceding goals. And it's just, I, I, I mean, I feel great about it. <laughs> but, you know, it's just ludicrous how a club this big is being mismanaged. 
Hey, you! Yeah? Yes, you! H how did you get in my house? Do you like YouTube? Yeah. Sometimes find it a bit dull? No, I love YouTube. Then you should subscribe to the Football in Question YouTube channel! Why? They've got podcast clips, original content, and also they have your family hostage! What? Like I said, subscribe now! If you want to see your family again, subscribe now. Mum? It's Jordan's Fact of the Week! Yes, Jordan's Fact of the Week is back yet again. We're, we're getting through Jordan's Fact of the Week. Like we, We've had some very good facts over, over the, the last while. Um, but yet again, I am back with Jordan's Fact of the Week with another very good fact, in my opinion. Bit of a short one this time, though. Did you know that despite making his debut for Brazil at the age of 20, Marcelo has never played in Copa America. That's, Ever. A, that's actually impressive. He wow. has never played a game in Copa America. Wow. Oh, and as soon as he retires, they bloody win it. Yeah. <laughs> so that is Jordan's Fact of the Week. Um, it is time to talk about our debate. And the debate this week is what is the best save of all time? Any save by any goalkeeper in any match of all time, pick your save. Uh, whoever wants the floor. I have picked mine. It is Mark andre Tostegen against Bayern Munich in 2015. Are you aware of it? Does it come to mind? No, it doesn't. Okay, <laughs> I will get it up on the YouTube. I know that was the year Barca won it. Bayern Munich bearing down on goal. It's a huge occasion in the Champions League. This ball somehow gets through to Lewandowski, point blank range, pulls off a great save and then has to rush back to his goal line to clear it off the line. Look at that, he's going the other way, stretches his arm out and then has to rush back and just about catches it on the line. There's two in there, maybe I've cheated a little bit, but I think a, this is a terrific, terrific save. Undeniably a good save. Jordan? I have gone for uh, Ike Casillas. Uh, and, you know, world-class goalkeeper, plenty of saves come to mm -hmm. mind. But this one in particular, 2009 against Sevilla, it's just world class. I, I will show you guys um, what what's going on here. So obviously Sevilla running down the right hand side. Ball comes across, and he has to dive the length of the goal to stop the ball going in for I'd argue what is a certain goal in that scenario. And the, it's the fact that he has to go across the entire goal in order to get there. I th I think I think if any goalkeeper has to do that, it's world class. I think. Cassias has pulled off arguably one of the best best possible examples of that and that's why he's he my He does pick. really well to get across there. Yeah. To be Undeniably, fair. both good saves. I think mine may be the best. I'm going for David Seaman's save against Sheffield United in the FA Cup semi-final. I think this one is absolutely superb. 2003, obviously set your minds back. We're all one, uh, or I wouldn't have been one yet. <laughs> um, FA Cup semi-final at Old Trafford. I think my dad was there, actually. Arsenal will win the game 1-0, so one goal could have swung it. And uh, it's against Paul um, Pescasolido. I think I pronounced that right. Let's see it. Let's see it, let's see it, okay. So it's whipped in, one header, another header. Oh, he claws it on the line against his own momentum. It's almost um, like he's playing volleyball. Like yeah, he's got an open goal 
and against most keepers, that should be a goal. But and he's already moving one way, and he's moved Look himself at this, back. This angle. So one header, flicked volley there. Yeah, that is yeah. He's off balance. He's off balance, and he's clawed it, and it's almost perfectly on the line. Like he's just clawed it with his fingertips, and I don't know how he managed to get that much power behind it. It's like time stops, and he manages to flick it, despite the momentum going the other way. And, you know, Arsenal defend it on the line and prevent it from going in. He has to react really well to that, but I feel like he's given a little bit more time. And with the fact that the striker also... Did, do you want to see it in time again? Because yeah, it is like, dun, dun. OK, OK, he has to react quickly. But I think the fact that, I mean, it's a header. The striker is limited to what he's able to do, the power that he's able to get behind it as well. Like... When Lewandowski's bearing down a goal at you and you manage to just make that initial first save and then... And in my then opinion, in that goal. moment, he's done exactly what a keeper should do, which is spread his arms. Yeah. And I think in that moment, you know, he's got the rub of the green, it's hit him in the arm. Right. I I've, think, seen, I I've, seen, I've, I've seen Kasper Schmeichel make that save against West Ham. I think, I think yours is... Um, I, think, I think all of our goalkeeper saves have definitely happened before. Like... It's, yeah. it's hard to not recreate a save. In the span of time and history, yes, yes probably. Goalkeeper exactly. saves get recreated. So, like, wh whatever one we're going for, there's probably an example of someone doing the exact same thing. But I think yours, the original save is good, but the it's getting the back, gets back. Yeah, yeah, the getting back is, is better. And, yeah, for, for me, that is a very, very good shout. Um, for, for mine, I, it's... It's the fact that he gets right across the the entire goal that I love about mine, uh, and with yours, it's obviously against against the way he's going. The yeah, way it's he's going. the momentum, and, and he's cut, and, and he's it looks it like a short so goal. All of them are world class saves, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I I I'm stuck for a conclusion. I do have a conclusion in my head, but I'm not just gonna. Is it? This is why Isaac's isn't winning. <laughs> this is why Isaac's isn't winning. <laughs> David Seaman. Actually, cheat? No, he didn't cheat. No, I, it is difficult, and I, I'm finding it really hard not to go for yours instantly because I am a little bit affiliated to that. Take save. away the Arsenal bonus. It's still it's still a very save. good. It's a good save. save. They're so, all good saves. It's a really nice save to watch as well. I think perhaps the ugliest to watch maybe is, is the yours. Stature, maybe the stature of it as well. Yeah, you know that. I mean, then again, yours. This is Champions League. Yours is Champions League quarters. Mine is. Yours is a league game. Yeah. Which I okay, right, maybe we shouldn't <laughs> apply that too much to them as well. But okay, yeah, maybe I not. think that I, I think like may, perhaps it's, it comes down to what's what's nicer to watch, what's what looks more remarkable in the moment. And yours is a terrific save, but I think that yours is the the one that isn't as nice to watch as to Steigen running back, having to claw it behind out of it behind himself and and, and being and with uh, with Siemens being kind of off balance, the momentum going against him. I think in terms of like I think in terms of the save itself, I think there's more pace on this one Let's than there is on, just one on more, all of them. Just go the way that. the ball comes across, he's on his near, near post, he has to go across the entire... Can I see another angle of it? No, this is a good angle I've just seen. Hold on. So... Yeah, go, go from there. So obviously, this, the pace that it comes in, he's on one side of the goal, has to dive to the complete other side of the Can't goal he just, in order to make... I think, I, think, I, think, I think the player's ruined it. Because he hits it kind of. If he opens, if he opens his foot up, it's, from, it's a goal. It's from close range. The close. Mine's close from range, close range. That's from closer range, though. I don't think it is. I think they're as close. 
I, and mine I and your player and your keeper so. is in the and right position and is going in the right momentum to save it. My player uh, is going like that and he's gone. Oh, he has a good point. They're as close range, and I th- mine, I think... I'd argue, is is more is less probable a save in that scenario. And your player. I mean, diving across the length of the the length of the goal. I, no, I'd but, ar- no, but in I'd terms argue... of the way in terms of the way he's positioned, he is doing I, everything mm. in his power to get to that ball. And I think, I think arguably that makes the save better for a goalkeeper to go full length. No, no, because in, in that moment, when that player is crossing the ball, he knows where the ball's going, he knows where someone's going to shoot. He's doing everything a keeper is told to do in that scenario. In my scenario, the ball's been headed back, volleyed back. He's doing this, his momentum's going in one way. And in that split second, he's had to react Seamless to, to the shot. Seamless to improvise a lot more than just... He, he has to improvise. Yeah. I, I think what I was just trying to say is that Casilla had one job to do in that moment, and that was to get across in that goal. Yeah. Seaman, first of all, could have dived to his left, then his right, then his, then his left again, and then he finally has to pull he, off this miraculous In that moment, jump. he's expecting the volley to be a shot, but it's mishit, assisting the header, and that's why he has to flip back. And that's why I think it's, it's a better save. Okay. Fair, fair enough. With to, with Stegen, I feel like that you keep you keep pronouncing it a bit weird. I'm pretty sure it's just Stegen, mate. I like calling him Stegen. I'm German. No, I, you know not. I think Stegen is a great save, but I, I feel like I'm just I feel like I'm gonna roll over for Siemens just because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just 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 because I don't know. I don't see. Why, I'm not too convinced by my own save, if I'm honest. But I, I, still, I, I, still, I still think. It, hang on, let me think of my argument here. <laughs> Look, at the, at the end of the day, I think um, it is probably the best one out of the three. I would also agree that <laughs> David Seaman's okay, save so is the best. Anyway, that is it with the debate. I win, Seaman wins. Seaman versus Sheffield United is, according to the football in question, the best save of all time. We've reached the end of the episode and it is now time for the quiz. Of course, as we start any quiz, what are your buzzers? Bang. Pow. Oh my, he's really trying to change the, try, change the system here. Yeah. Wow. Last week we had eh. And we've had wow yeah. before. Yeah. Pow now, okay. Pow. pow. Yeah, pow. Okay, so it's time we get into the questions. If I'm going to lose a quiz, I would at least like it to, to sound a bit different when I, I, when I lose. I'd like to say there's a theme here. There are some, most of these questions are League Cup related. There is one which is FA Cup related because I just <coughs> couldn't get that much questions and I had a limit on the amount of time I had to make it. So here, first question. Which team are the record holders of the League Cup? Pow, Liverpool. Correct. It's 1-0 Jordan. Nice. Second question. Straight How many times have Liverpool won it? Pow. Oh, I'm debating it now. You said Six? Pa- Incorrect. Oh, no, I think I know the right answer. Yeah. Is it eight? It, is. it was eight until last year. They've won it nine times. Oh. I can't lie, six of the amount of times. I was scared you were going to get that. That was going to be a good advantage. I was like, you're yeah. way off. Um, yeah. I thought it was eight, to be fair. So it's one nil with two questions gone. Question three. Despite only having two FA Cups to their name, why did Portsmouth retain the trophy for seven years? Bang. Because of the World War. Correct. <laughs> they were the last team to win. They so were the last team to win the FA Cup before World War Two. They retained the FA Cup <coughs> for seven years. They hold the record for the longest team to retain it. However, no team has won it three years in a row. So <coughs> that's that's why they've only won it twice. They won it back then. They also won it obviously in 
2008. Mm-hmm. 2008, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay, so, one, 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 three questions in. Questions going thick and fast, boys. Now, the, F, the League Cup has got many names over time. Yeah. I want to ask you, back in 2015, what was the name of the Cup? Oh, it was the... This is for the 14-15 season. It's a, it's a mix between two in my head. The fi- I think. I'll tell you the final. The final was between uh, Chelsea, Chelsea no and Tottenham. It makes no difference no, to me. It doesn't make a difference. I think. Bang. I'm pretty sure it was called the Carling Cup. And it was the Capital One Cup before that. Those mm. are the two names that are in my head. And I think it's the, it was the Carling Cup. Is that correct? It was not the Carling Cup. It was the Carling Cup before. Oh. Jordan, you've got a chance. You see, I don't, I don't think it is your other one. I don't think it is. That no, I think after one was before, yeah. Yeah. It was like way before. Um, yeah. You, you see, I'm thinking there was quite a long period where it was just the EFL Cup. So I'm just going to go power the EFL Cup. Incorrect. It is the Capital One Cup. Oh, was it? It, no. tra- it was the EFL Cup for two seasons and then Carabao came in. It was the Capital One Cup for 14-15 and then 15-16. 16-70s when the when EFL was Cup Carling? came. Carling was before. Oh no. Carling was when was when Tottenham won it. Oh no. It was the Carling Cup when Tottenham fair, won fair it. Fair enough. Uh, it was the Capital One Cup in 14-15. Chelsea played Spurs, Chelsea won in the final, went on to win the league that season with Mourinho. I thought it was just the EFL Cup for a lot longer than no, that. No, it was only like two years. Because they just looked for a sponsor and couldn't yeah. find one. They, they fell on Carabao. Oh. Anyway, so it is 1-1 with four questions gone. Question five. The biggest score, the record-breaking biggest score in a League Cup final is 5-0. And that took place in 2013. Which team won it in 2013? Swansea. Correct. It was against Bradford. Yeah. Nice, yeah. yeah. I was considering that being another question. (laughs) But Swansea-Bradford, 5-0. Meet you times. What time to be alive. Well done. Um... It is 2-1 in f- with five questions to go. It's really neck and neck here. Mm-hmm. Arsenal famously came back to win 7-5 in the joint biggest uh, scoring game overall in the League Cup. Who scored a hat-trick in that Bang! game? Bill Cup. Correct. <laughs> I had so many answers. 2-2. Two, two, two. <laughs> I was like, I'm leaving you because I'm going to let your mind spiral like... Schmack. Um, I was trying to uh, remember as much as I could. one at half time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is 2-2. Two, two. Four, ga- four questions to go. Obviously now, this season's League Cup is over. Mm-hmm. Two players ha- hold the record this season for top scorer. Name one of them. In the League Cup this season. Two players. Join at the top. <laughs> There's one that's How? I don't really know. Rashford? The Rashford one? Correct. Oh, so annoying. I was going to say James Balagizi. Oh, oh, for a bonus question, can you name the other one? <laughs> Just chuck a name out here. You probably won't get it. I don't think you'll get the other one. Um, Bang. Mm-hmm. Harland? No. <laughs> I, d- I don't know the other one. Yeah, yeah I don't think you will. Oh, I've got an idea. Can I um, have another guess? Yeah. Oh, wait, has he, has he guessed? Yeah, he's got two. I don't know, Nketiah. No, we only played one game. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> Matoma? 
No, this person actually, yeah, they only got to the semi-finals. It's Che Adams with five. Okay. Chams with five. Uh, Rashford was originally credited with the okay. goal yesterday, but it got chalked off to an own goal. I saw a thing saying he might have claimed it. Like he was claiming it. He was claiming it. It was his goal. Then it was an own goal. On Wubs, one no, website, he claimed it afterwards. Well, after the game, he he's been trying to claim it. Well, it's last I checked, it's still an own goal. I mean, meaning there's two top scorers. However, the question I'm now going to ask you: How many goals did they score? How five. five. I was going to say five, that's, that's going. I can't, I can't lie, you did say it. Did I say it? <laughs> I think you said it. I think you might have said it. I don't think you did. Okay, if you didn't, then fair, fair enough. I'll check it back and, and delete the question if I did say it. No, 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 it's 4 2. God. It's 4 2. How many questions are left? Two questions. <sighs> two questions left. Still. Which team mm. has lost the most League Cup finals? Pal, oh. Chelsea. Incorrect. Lost right. the most finals. I've got some answers. You've got to have one answer. Oh, I, I think I just went in quite quickly there. Right, I'm just going to... If I get this wrong, I'm happy. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Spurs. Incorrect. Okay. Despite us calling Spurs the bottlers, we have lost the most oh, League Cup finals. Arsenal, <laughs> Arsenal have lost the most League Cup finals. Yeah, fair enough. Final question. How many finals have Arsenal lost? Four. Incorrect. And three. You didn't, yeah, I mean, you Sorry. didn't. <laughs> I mean, you didn't buzz. Right, I'm three. <laughs> uh, you already asked. Like. I'm thinking, right. League Cup started in about 1960, 61. Started um, six, like 50, 60s, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for seven. Pow, seven. Nearly. It's six. Arsenal oh. have lost six League Cup finals. We've only won two. If we'd won every final we'd be in, we'd only be one off the record yeah. holders. But, yeah, uh, it's funny. I'm pretty sure we probably have the record for most FA Cup finals lost as well, because we've been in the most. But um, Jordan? Jordan has that. won. I will take Jordan, it. Did you win by two as well? Which yeah. means that question I maybe gave you doesn't really matter. So, <laughs> what, Was there a bonus question? There wasn't. Uh, no, there wasn't. wasn't. There wasn't because I thought <laughs> I, I, I hedged my bets on it being decided by ten. Brilliant. I was hoping it would be decided by ten. There isn't a bonus question, and yeah, it's 4-2 in the end. Jordan wins, he, gele- he collects the dub, his first yeah. dub in a while. Yes. And here we have it. I'll take it. And I think that rounds up the episode, does it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I think we've enjoyed ourselves, and you'll catch us next week talking more football. That's the football in question. See you next week. Don't forget, we are The Football in Question on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook. And we are TFQ underscore podcast on Twitter. And finally, we are TFQ podcast on TikTok and Instagram.